Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Can you win the game in the first quarter? No! Hulk Hogan apparently now coaching the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll undergoes a transformation. We've seen it. We've seen it. When when you get him around a football field, he's like half his age. It's amazing. Get him away from a football field, he's twice his age. <laughs> he is. Well, he probably felt really good after he beat up on your Minnesota Vikings last night. Uh, you okay this morning? They teased hey, you. They just gave you a little tease like, we're going to win, Mike. Mike, jump back on the bandwagon. We got it all straight. Here we go. Oh, here comes Russell Wilson. Touchdown. <laughs> I want you to remember this day because this is the day that I'm cured. And it's sad, but it's over. I just don't care anymore. They've done it. There's only so many times that a heart can be ripped out and stomped upon where you become ambivalent. And congratulations, Minnesota Vikings. It took you nearly 50 years to do it. But I am now ambivalent. My son, on the other hand, different story altogether. He's going through the same angst that I would have years ago. He will be miserable for the next couple of days because of what happened last night. But I, I, am, I am far more happy, infinitely more happy, that my selection was right. Vikings to cover, Seahawks to win straight up. Then I am upset that the Vikings lot. I, I just don't care. So you've done it, Vikings. It took you a long time to get there, but you have finally turned me into somebody who is as ambivalent about you losing as any other team in the NFL. Uh, so. Well, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get Paul Allen to call you. Maybe we'll get Zimmer to send you a basket of, you know, flowers and something. And, you know, we'll have Kirk Cousins yeah. on, a, on a love something, you day. Love something. you. Love you. <laughs> but, something is, is, is more likely. But wait. But first you know off, what? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, was that – I mean, that, that game was, was amazing. And just to this, the point of how we opened up the show with Pete Carroll, it's just they live for that moment. They never blink. I, I just feel like when we see something bad happen, you're almost like, whoa. Like last year, the 49ers regular season game, he throws the interception down there close to the end zone. You're just so used to seeing them come through in that moment. And it's because Pete Carroll, the culture he set, everything, and then – that damn quarterback's got ice water in his veins. That's all there is to it. I'm told plenty more on this game coming up, which is a kind yes, of way I of know. telling us to move on. <laughs> We're not the ones who picked Pete Carroll getting all fired up to start the going. show. Yeah. So excuse us. <laughs> excuse us. Oh, now we're told to stop whining that we aren't being scolded so we can whine about that for a little bit. All right. Uh, by the way, the show is Pro Football Talk Live. We are on Peacock. We are on Sirius XM 211. We are on NBCSN at 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're watching it now, that may seem redundant because you know it's 9 a.m. Eastern. And Sky Sports NFL, 7 o'clock local time, prime time in the U.K., 
and in Ireland. And look, we, we try to be as lighthearted and positive as we can during this program. These are dark times for many people throughout the world. We try to provide some small glimmer of something other than all of the negative stuff that we see all the time. But sometimes we have to start the show with something that really hurts us personally. And when we saw this happen yesterday as we were on the set preparing for Football Night in America, Chris on the set in Stanford, Connecticut, me on my set here in West Virginia, we all felt it. You could, it was palpable. The air went out of the room, and we were minutes before going on the air live on NBC when Dak Prescott suffered a gruesome and grotesque compound fracture dislocation of the ankle. On the same day Alex Smith ended his two-year journey back to the NFL after a serious compound leg fracture, it happened to Dak Prescott. And these things are incredibly rare, especially for quarterbacks, Chris. And it really was a moment I'll never forget because I could just feel it even from here. I could feel the air go out of the room in Connecticut. I felt like I was punched in the stomach. Everybody loves and respects and admires Dak Prescott. And to have that happen to him yesterday was uh, was uh, as stunning a moment as I can remember in 50 years of following football. Yeah, it, it hurt. It was shocking. It really was. It, you know, it, you, like you said, it was like Alex Smith. It was like watching Joe Theismann back in the day because you just went, oh, my gosh. First off, it, you know, quarterbacks maybe a little bit more personable than other positions because – they're brought into our home more often than everything else, you know, through TV, commercials, everything like that. Uh, but then, you know, you, you, you worry about the guy first. And Dak Prescott, just being around him the few times I have been the last few Super Bowls, uh, couldn't like him more. You can understand why everybody talks about him in such a glowing fashion throughout the Cowboys organization. Uh, so, so it hurts from that standpoint. And there's so many things to unpack from this because of Dak's franchise tag and all of that. But at the base level, yeah, you hurt for a guy. You hurt for a guy that, yes, is making a big paycheck this year, but was really close to really making some serious money. And I've been there, and I've been in his shoes that way, and it's devastating. I think that's probably part of the reason you saw him break down in tears even more on the golf cart. I feel like all the reality hit him, like, damn, franchise tag. I could have maybe signed for this money and everything. I'm not trying to be insensitive by any of this, but it just you, all yeah, comes to head. I don't ahead. think he's thinking about that in that moment. Man, I don't, I don't think know. he's thinking about that in that moment. Okay. I, I think. Look, when, when your leg is that messed up and you know what you have in front of you and also you recognize, and I don't know how much he processes this, but the reality is you have a and, – and I don't even know he's aware in the moment that the, the break is so bad that it actually pierces through the skin. That's a serious situation. That's what happened to Alex Smith. And that's when, and look, I'm no doctor, but when you live this long enough and you, and you hear what doctors have to say, team doctors, experts in the field, when, when that bone uh, bursts through the skin and, and the bacteria and other stuff that is on our skin at all times gets inside of your body where it is not supposed to be, that creates a very real risk, and they need to be sure. And one of the things they were doing last night, cleaning the wound thoroughly and completely as they also repaired the compound fracture and the dislocation to keep infection out. And that is the challenge going forward. The surgery deemed a success. Dak expected to leave the hospital today, which is almost as stunning as the injury itself. I thought maybe he would be there for a little while. He was there straight after the injury happened. His brother posted the picture. Dak in good spirits and now will be recovering at home when he's released later today. But it is a serious situation. And I think that the biggest reaction in that moment, number one, everything you've worked for and prepared for is done in the fifth game. You're going away from your teammates. They're going to have to try to win football games without you. And sure. you feel like you're letting them down. I feel like that may be the prevailing emotion in that moment, Chris. I mean, you went through that, although you were probably unconscious for a lot of it. But I think when the dust begins to settle, the big reaction and the big thought and the strongest emotion is you've in some way let your teammates down. Well, it just, it all just piles on. It's, it's like a, that's why I was saying, like, that's why I felt like that probably went through his head. I wasn't trying to go like insensitive there or anything like that. 
but it just all comes to this boiling point of like you're in shock like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm hurt like this this is unbelievable oh man I'm not going to be able to play football anymore man I'm not going to be around the teammates anymore oh man how long is it going to take me to come back from this injury all that goes into your brain let alone what does this do to my career? It, it all comes. It's like a, a like a crazy nightmare or whatever, a dream. You know how you, you, you wake up and you're like, man, it just was just little flashes of things that went through my brain real quick. It's kind of like that. And uh, it's just it, it is going to be a long road back for him. But he's a guy that we know can handle this. And it's just, you know, we we hope it's not, you know, so serious and that the surgery went well, like you said, to where. He can get back to rehab and get back to somewhat normal Dak Prescott once again. And how long that takes, I don't know. But, yeah, you know, Mike, when he went down, just from that sideline view, right away you knew something was wrong. And it was like one of those things where you were like, man, that didn't look right the way he went down. And then you kind of saw the leg. And then, of course, we got the close view, and you were like, whoa, that's not straight there. That's not good. And I, I just – I can't burn that image out of my head right now for no. poor Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. And I never want to see it again. And when I rewatch that game, I'm going to skip that part. There's no reason to see it. There's nothing to be gained by seeing it. And I didn't mean to suggest you were being insensitive about what he's feeling to the extent that there's a financial aspect. But you're right. That, that notion that of his of, contract, it's always been there. Right, it never goes right. away. It's been there with him – more so than any other quarterback or yes. player really in recent years. That's been so much the focal point of the talk. And it really is that blender where it all is thrown together. It all comes together in one moment. Everything he's endured on the field, off the field, this stare down with the Cowboys that he was successful at. Even though he still didn't get a long-term contract, I still think he did the right thing, and I think he was successful, and we'll be talking about that in a minute. But the the overwhelming feeling and i agree with you in that in that specific moment all those things coming together and now he has to 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 move forward and we'll, we'll see how it goes we don't know what the prognosis is we always hear that the surgery is a success and at some point we'll hear his recovery's ahead of schedule but you know, we get numb to it because it's not part of our lives, because next man up and the game keeps going, and yeah. we forget about Dak Prescott, just like we forgot about Ben Roethlisberger last year. We forgot about Cam Newton last year. Pe people just move forward with football, and it's out of sight, out of mind, and we know at some point you'll be back in sight, back in mind. But Dak Prescott's not going to be out of mind. He may be out of sight. We'll probably see him on the sidelines at games. I suspect he will be around as much as he can. But Mike, Dak uh, Prescott, uh, is, he's, 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 he's beloved throughout the NFL for everything he's done on and off the field. And, and it's not going to be, I think, like other guys where we just we just forget about him and move forward. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not. He, he is. He's got too good of a personality. Everybody's seen how good his heart is, everything like that. I think also where everybody feels is to, like, to the point you brought up. This is a conversation that's been going on for two years. He was a fourth-round pick. He came out of Mississippi State. He's never made that big-time first-round type money. And, yeah, it's big money he made this year. But, you know, there was other money dangled in front of him that was life-changing that way. And, Mike, I'm going to go back to one other thing that just you know is my pet peeve, and I just wish this would get changed, and that's the field turf. I sit there again and go, field turf, all right? I've had this conversation with my dad and a few other players lately. Just it's 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 the, the foot gets stuck in field turf because guys wear cleats too, and we're not used to seeing these type of injuries with quarterbacks. But Dak is a different type of quarterback. He's a bigger guy who, yes, will run, will have people on his shoulders and throw them off and do things like that. To where other quarterbacks just fold and fall down, you know. And uh, the big thing is this injuries usually happen to running backs, receivers, people like that. But I just, again, you know, that's my, one of my issues. I, I don't know if I feel like these injuries happen as much or as uh, egregiously as they do maybe if we were on just regular grass fields once again. Sorry. And Well, you know, this is a, a topic that's come up yeah. on several times in recent weeks that that, that foot does get caught. Uh, and, Can't get and out. When that, it's just – it, it It is still amazing to me when an incident like this happens, I take a step back and I say, I'm amazed it doesn't happen more often. Right. I'm amazed it doesn't occur when all that cluster of huge bodies is 
is just churning and all the opposing forces. And at what point does a bone break? At what point does something give way? And it is so much more visible when it's a compound fracture than when it's a torn ACL. Tony Dungy was making this point last night. That with a torn ACL, you never see it. You see that the player has a problem with his knee. Yeah. But the knee still looks like a knee. The leg still looks like a leg. And I think that that makes it so much harder for the rest of us to, to just deal with when we when we see that kind of a graphic injury. And you're right. At what point does the, the field turf become a factor? And at what point do the owners recognize that for the multi-million dollar investment they make in players, in a payroll that this year is kissing $200 million, just south of $200 million, is there not a better way? Yeah, right. To ensure that that your investment is protected. Even if you don't want to think of your players as human, even if you become completely desensitized to the constant churning, the longer you own a team, the more you know the names and the faces are going to change. What stays the same is the team. What stays the same is the helmet and the uniform. We change the names on the back of the jerseys all the time. But still, to the extent that those individuals are employed by you, whether it's one year, 10 years, or somewhere in between, you should want to get the most out of those players. You should want to ensure that they're as safe as possible when they are playing on the field that is in the stadium that you own. And that's the one thing, Chris, that I'll never understand about the NFL, why they don't take every possible precaution and spend every possible dollar to make sure that their players are as safe as possible on the surfaces on which they play. Yeah, well, no, I don't I don't understand that either. And the numbers show it. I mean, you know, injuries are 30% more on field, you know, field turf than grass. You know, ankle and knee injuries, I think it's it's even a big a more staggering number than that. It's it's something like I, I I can't remember exactly right off the top of my head, but yes, that is the issue. There is it is a synthetic grass. There's rubber pebbles in it, and you wear real cleats that you would wear on a grass field, and it just does not give the same way, and the foot can get stuck, and I don't understand it either, Mike. I mean, yeah, the NFL, they the owners, it, it's more I think about. The fact they want the field turf because of the events they want to have in the offseason, the concerts and everything like that to where that'll ruin the grass and do all that. I just wonder, do they come out on end out of that when, you know, OK, yeah, you're paying Dak Prescott thirty one million dollars and you're not going to get all the services for that money, let alone, you know, all the guys that get hurt that you have to resign on your roster and then also get hurt. The money wasted on that every year through some of these injuries, I, I really would. I would wonder what, you know, it is make or how much it's making a difference in these owners' lives and, and the, the final, you know, bank number there. Yeah, I mean, that really is the point. Even if the humanity of the situation does not affect you as an elderly person who has owned a football team for 30 years and they have come and they have gone and they will come and they will go until it's time for you to go. You're losing the benefit of $31.4 million right. in services for the balance of the year. And if you had grass on that field, who knows what would have happened. And, uh, and, and that's an unfortunate aspect of all of this. Dak Prescott does make $31.4 million this year, fully guaranteed. You know, it's funny how we get so caught up in the nuances and we understand the details. The average fan, when something like this happens, will say, does he still get paid? Well, yes, he, he does. His contract is guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap. He gets every penny of the $31.4 million. The bigger question is, what happens next year? Yeah. And there are three options. And it's all going to be influenced, by, Chris, by what happens over the course of the next several months. They will have until late February. Now, they can't begin negotiating a contract until after the season ends. From there until late February, long-term deal for Dak or – if that doesn't happen, franchise tag deadline arrives. Will they use the tag again? And remember this, it's $37.68 million for next year. And the salary cap may be as low as $175 million. And that number is still $37.68 million by rule, unless they would change the rules of the franchise tag between now and, and the arrival of next year's franchise tag window, which is highly unlikely. He gets a 20% raise over what he made this year, $37.68 million. Right. What do you do then? Ooh. Do you let him hit? the open market at that point? Does he become a free agent? 
do you wait to see what someone else is willing to pay him before you offer him a contract? This could be like the Cam Newton situation with a twist where the Cowboys consciously assume the risk that someone else will pursue him, hopeful that no one else will pursue him coming off of that injury. And you know what? If the pandemic is raging again, how can anyone pursue him? You can't bring him in for a physical. You can't bring him in for a meeting. I mean, if this thing rebounds the way that some think it will, March of 2021 may be the same as March of 2020. So that's in the Cowboys' favor as well. And and look, th- th- this is just a glimpse of the business reality that we're going to be dealing with. And whether and to what extent Dak Prescott recovers from this thing quickly and completely is going to be a huge factor yeah. in what the Cowboys ultimately choose to do, Chris. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to evaluate this yeah, week by week and really kind of see, yes, like you, know, like, like you talked about, get the report from the doctor. How did the surgery go? They're really going to have to do their due diligence here because I would think the franchise tag is off the ta- table at this point. There, there, there's. I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I, I mean, don't know. I just. I. I just. I just. If, he's, g- if he recovers, if he, if it's a clean break and it's fixed and he's fine then, and there's no infections and he doesn't need any further surgeries and he's Dak Prescott that he's always been. How is it off good. the table? You're right. You're right. That that could possibly be. You're right. I'm jumping to conclusions by just how gruesome it looked a little bit yesterday. All right, and maybe thinking of the worst case scenario. But yeah. if th- there is lingering damage. If it wasn't the cleanest break there was, if it is to the like the point where we're getting into, you know, April or we're getting into March and okay, yes, he's just really getting out of the cast and not capable of running or doing anything like that. I just I'm I'm again, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just I have a hard right. time thinking the Cowboys would do that. I would I would see more of an envision of this, Mike, of just them them figuring out a deal of like Hey, let's let's figure something out because we really like you. We don't know how healthy you're gonna be, and here's a little money because you you might be the starting quarterback this year. But we're gonna kind of let it go and see here. But we're, we're gonna have probably a, a pretty good backup here just in case something like that. It's it's I, I can envision something like that happening. Well, but Chris, I can envision Dak Prescott continuing to take the Maybe. position that he always has, right? That this is finally my shot at free agency. And if you don't believe in me, someone else will. And as Rodney Harrison said last night when we were talking about this, there'll be five or six other teams that will rush to sign Dak Prescott, that will assume the risk that it may take a year for him to get back to 100%. But then they have him beyond that. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and you know what? The very astute follower of these issues may be wondering well, what about the transition tag that's a way where the Cowboys can just match any offer and there's no two first round picks in play here's the problem transition tag guarantees him a 20 percent increase just like the franchise tag so it's still 37.68 million so it would be the franchise tag or nothing for the Cowboys moving forward for the Dallas Cowboys let me just say one thing that's been on my mind for the past 20 minutes I have to get this off my chest my my liver is fine I don't know what's going on with return today, but I look yellow. Oh. My liver is functioning oh. well. Oh. I don't have jaundice. I don't have cirrhosis. Damn. I'm fine. In the case in the case anyone out there is concerned, I'm perfectly fine. I may not look fine, but I am fine. The Cowboys okay, may not be boy. fine. Yeah, what? The, the Cowboys may not be <laughs> fine moving forward with Andy Dalton. They did win the game yesterday over the New York Giants, but then again, New York Giants, one of two New York teams that are now combined 0-10. If only they played each other this this Uh, year, there's a chance they wouldn't both be 0-16. Andy Dalton, now the starter. Let's hear what Dalton had to say after yesterday's win. For a lot of people, you want to be in those situations. Tie ball game, get a chance to go down, two-minute drive to win the game. And so, you know, you... You want to instill confidence in everybody. I've obviously been in these situations uh, multiple times, and so it's it's a lot of fun to be in in, in those situations. And so um, fun to see how everybody responded. Everybody came out, made big plays. Michael Gallup with two incredible plays to to get us down there and get us in field goal range. And so um, you know, that's that's why you play this game for for moments like that. You know, it's funny, out of sight, out of mind. We had forgotten about Andy Dalton for the most part. That's just what happens. And now Andy Dalton is going to be front and center. Let me just say this as another aside. I'm not trying to make light of the situation. The guy's going to be playing quarterback in the NFL. We haven't seen him talk for a while. We haven't taken him in for a while. 
he could play the devil in a movie, couldn't he? I mean, really, not that he's an evil guy. He just has that look. There was that movie years ago Tom Cruise was in and Tim Curry played the devil. He just has that look. Well, so, anyway. I know what you mean. Andy Dalton. I get you. Andy Dalton is back, and uh, what do you think happens now going forward? Well, I, uh, listen, this is why you make an investment in a backup quarterback. I mean, you know, like, like we talked a little bit last night on the, the pregame show, I mean, this is Andy Dalton's not chopped liver, certainly. You could see that enough just yesterday that he can come in, run the offense, make plays. He did a lot of good stuff in Cincinnati. Now, is he Dak Prescott? No, I don't think he's Dak Prescott. Certainly not. Prescott is special in his ability to hit balls down the field, stand in the pocket, run, do all of those things. Andy Dalton can do it all, just not to that high of a level. But uh, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot for their team overall. I don't. And that's why you make this a type of investment. I give them a lot of credit for having a guy like Andy Dalton there and ready to go. Their team should not fall apart. Will they be as high flying, throwing the ball all over the field like they were with Dak Prescott? I doubt it. But I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I still think it's going to be majority pass and then run the ball. I still think they're going to take that same approach, and we'll see what Andy's got with this football team. When you think about the best years of Andy Dalton with the Cincinnati Bengals, he had players around him on offense. Yeah. Now there are still questions with the defense in Dallas, but he's got Ezekiel Elliott. He's got C.D. Lamb. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got Michael Gallup. He's got Cedric Wilson. Right. He's got an and now, now look, the offensive line, not what it was, but he's got an offense around him that is a lot closer in line to the teams that he had in Cincinnati when they went to the playoffs five straight years. And let's remember, his career began in Cincinnati five for five with playoff appearances. Right. The guy can play. And remember when they made that move. Now, we thought, well, OK, this is a hedge against something happening with Dak. If he doesn't report for camp, if he uses all of the options available to him under the franchise tag, stays away, maybe holds out into the regular season. They have someone who can play. But now that Dak won't be able to play, they have someone who can play. And they're in the NFC East, for crying out loud. Right now, if Andy Dalton's on the Bengals, forget about it. Steelers 4-0, Ravens 4-1, Browns 4-1, you're left in the dust. 2-3, you're in first place. And there's no reason to think the Cowboys won't win that division. They have yet to play any team in that division. They've got six games coming up. Well, other than the Giants, they've beaten the Giants. They've got five games left against the Eagles, Washington, and the Giants. So the Cowboys yeah, they're in it. Uh, are, are they're, they're, they're in it. They're in it. And, and you know, maybe what happens here, and we've seen this with teams from time to time, Chris. Right. The expectations will go away. They'll lower. You know, sometimes teams wither under the weight of heavy expectations. And the Cowboys had, even with a new coach this year, they had big expectations yes, going into did. the season. They have big expectations every season. And maybe this in a roundabout way will just, all right, fine, pressure's off. Let's just go play the games one week at a time. Yeah. Let's go, let's go take care of business. And right now, of the four teams in the NFC East, I'd say they're the most likely to win the division. And with one caveat, if Alex Smith – can get back to the form that he was in in 2018, then I'd worry about Washington. But I think he's got a long way to go to get back to 2018. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the Dallas team is still with that offensive talent. Yeah, I just think I'd still put them in the driver's seat. I don't feel totally confident about that. But I do feel that, like, man, I would expect the defense at some point to get a little bit better here as we go. But I think you're right, Mike. It kind of like brings down expectations. It's going to make them go back to the drawing board a little bit. We've talked about this before. Sometimes when the starter goes out, all of a sudden the coaches, they start to go, wait, some of those plays that starter made, you know, they weren't really because of my plays. They were because he was really damn good and can make things happen off schedule. Now we got to find some other creative plays to help this guy out. Right. And that sometimes can jumpstart a football team and kind of bring them all together in the locker room because nobody expects you to win and it's us against the world. So we'll see where it goes. Offense is good. Defense has got a lot of work. All right, let's take a break. When we return in only their fifth game ever, the Las Vegas Raiders have a signature win, stunning the Kansas City Chiefs and also the Seattle Seahawks. Find a way to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. We'll talk about those two games when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So last night, the Seattle Seahawks found a way, driving 94 yards in the final two minutes of the game to score a touchdown. DK Metcalf already looking like the best receiver, if not one of the very best, if not one of the best we've seen in the past two generations for the Seattle Seahawks. The big catch, the clutch moment, the Seahawks pull off the victory 27-26 over the Minnesota Vikings. Unbelievable performance from Russell Wilson and... DK Metcalf, there was a, a fourth down conversion. I thought the game was over. It's done. Fourth down, it's done. It's done. The Vikings defense has done well all night. Fourth and ten, they're not going to do it. It's kind of a moon ball that Russell Wilson threw to DK Metcalf. There's Metcalf. And, you know, it's a four-quarter game. We see fans, we see players, we see coaches get down. They get stressed when they're behind early in a game. It's one thing the Seahawks never do, Chris. Never. They never give up. They know it's not over until the clock strikes zero in the fourth quarter. Who cares who was leading all game long? All that matters is are you leading when the time runs out? They're, they're, they're just uh, um, unbelievable that way. throughout. And that's Pete Carroll. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, it, it's like just hearing him talk to Michelle there. You know, it's it's like they're they they just preach on the sideline until they believe it. We're gonna make a play. We gotta make a play. We gotta do something. Yeah, I mean, they just and then they buy into it, and then they're like, okay, well, someone's gonna make a play, and it's it's just unbelievable the self belief they have. It's a little bit again, you know, this is the way it's gonna be all year. I don't think it's gonna change. I think they're fine with this now. Do they want to have the ball controlled on them for forty minutes like they did last night? No, that was not a good thing for them. Certainly, too many ten yard, ten play drives. Russell Wilson on the sideline next to the Gatorade, like we talked about. But same old, same old. I mean, yeah, let's get in a shootout. Our defense will stink, but at some point they're going to make two or three plays and maybe give us an extra possession. And that's what happened once again. And they just never blink down the stretch of a game or whenever it's tight. But the, the biggest thing, Mike, to me, and this is, this is a weird one. I've never seen a game's momentum change because a player got hurt like it did last night. The Vikings in control. Dalvin Cook goes out of bounds five yards backwards. You could tell he's hurt something with his groin or that area. And I, I just, just off of that right there, I've never seen the pendulum swing in one direction so quick where another team just like fed off the energy of like, thank God he's gone. Here we go. Let's see if we can get him now. And of course they did. And you thought for a second they were going to blow out Minnesota there until they came back. And what makes that more amazing is Alexander Madison did well yeah. in Dalvin Cook's absence. Like the air shouldn't have come out of the room because Dalvin Cook was injured. Madison got it done except for the – last play from scrimmage for the Vikings before the Seahawks had the the great uh, drive to win the game because uh, Alexander Madison and you've seen the still images by now all over social media there was a hole there, there, there was a hole that little arrow that tiny little arrow see that little yellow arrow yeah. Chris I don't know if you can make it's, it out I can, you have to I can look barely see it oh yeah <laughs> that, yeah uh, there's a hole there now, look, it's the one-cut offense, and the whole idea is you make your decision and you go. You don't do a lot of dancing behind the line of scrimmage, right, Chris? Yeah. You know where you're supposed to go, and you go there. He made his decision, and and uh, I don't think Gary Kubiak coaches that to second guess and break it outside for the most part. You're supposed to just go, and he had a fullback in front of him, and they thought they were going to make it, notwithstanding the fact that there was a giant hole immediately to his that, right. That's right. It is, you know, yes, there's a hole there. You'd like to see him bounce over there and do that. But the game is not perfect. And to what you said, they're taught, 
you know, especially in the Shanahan Kubiak type run style, they want no nonsense. Like you said, it's one cut. It's put your foot in the ground and go through that hole 100 miles per hour, and let's see if you can come out clean on the other side. And especially in a short yardage situation, they definitely don't want any hopping or dancing. So, yes, he is taught to follow the fullback and just find a crack right off of him to stay low and shoot down there and get the first down. But, hey. Barton, first off, the uh, number 57, the linebacker for Seattle, he, he made the play. The fact that he stood up the fullback and basically knocked him backwards to where then he got knocked into Madison and couldn't get any strength or power by the time Bobby Wagner and everybody else came over to tackle him, that was really the difference in the play. So, yeah, unfortunate that way. Does Dalvin Cook maybe get there? Probably. I'd like to think he would because his vision is unreal. Um, but it's another instance of – Second half, Seattle made all the plays. You know, one-handed interception by K.J. Wright. Strip sack fumble on Kirk Cousins. Fourth down, they make that big play there, and it uh, keep, keeps them alive to go down and, and let Russ cook. One caveat, though, before we hear from Mike Zimmer on the decision to go for it on fourth down. Usually, once the Vikings fell behind the way they did, 21-13, yeah. it, it would have been over. In, in past years, it's done, and before you know it, it's 35-13. So they did come back and take the lead, which was impressive, but still, at the end of the day, they lost, and the big decision made by Mike Zimmer, fourth and short, not to kick the field goal, to go up by eight, to go for it and to kill the clock and win by five. Here's Zimmer explaining why he did what he did. How close did you come to kicking the field goal there at the end? Um, not really close. Uh, I knew if we got the... It was about a half a yard. If we got the half a yard, we win the game. So I was trying to win it. I told him, on the, I told him in the headset, you know, we didn't come here for this. Let's let's go win it. And look, I get it. I understand it. And the analytics may support the decision to go for it on fourth and short. But the real world decision, when you look at it in hindsight, you're in Seattle and no fans are there. You know, you you, you take the three. And if Russell Wilson drives down the field and converts the two-point conversion, Chris, right. this is something you've said before. You've yeah. got to score twice. Twice, that's two you've touchdowns. You've got to score a touchdown, and then you've got to score a touchdown from the two, which the Seahawks failed to do, although the game wasn't riding on it. They were trying to get up by three points in the event something would crazy happen and the Vikings would get a field goal opportunity. But you've got to defend the end zone and bust through the end zone twice in a situation like that when you're up by eight. And it's Russell Wilson – and it's Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, that's the other side of the exactly coin. Exactly right. So, uh, you know, go up by eight, see what happens, and if he forces a tie, fine. You Hey, if you win the toss, you drive down the field and score a touchdown against their defense, you go home the winner. You still have chances. I, I can understand the mentality of let's get out of here while we can if you've got 70,000 screaming fans who are causing the Richter scale to go off in nearby buildings. I get it. With no one there, I think it's a different – overall formula and analysis yeah I, I i understand it's a tough one it really is i can't sit here and blame him either way or anything like that i mean i understand first off i think what he's looking at is hey we ran the damn ball on them all night we converted third and fourth and shorts all night let's put this away let's not give this guy the chance to come down and make magic happen and tie the game so from that aspect, you're right. Like, oh, yeah, he's got to – let's not let him do it. We, we know he can make magic. This is Russell Wilson. So I get it from that standpoint. I guess the other side of it where I'm just like a little bit like, ooh, I'm surprised because Mike Zimmer is a defensive coach, and they did have their moments of playing some good defense last night. And, you know, sometimes you think, gosh, I, I would think, you know, he'd have the faith that his defense won't let up those two type of touchdowns. But it's a different year for his defense too. They've been letting up big plays all year. So that's probably in the back of his mind as well. Uh, at the end of the day, I can't fault him for that, for the way the game was going, the way they ran the ball. They only had, what was it, Mike, a foot and a half maybe to get that first down there. Couldn't get it. And all right, you, you, you live with that. And then the fact that, you know, you saw Russell Wilson make magic happen you know, that can, I don't know, that could go either way. That can make him think like, what, Mike? I don't know. Wh which way do you think he goes to bed at night? Like, oh, Ma he made magic happen. Or does he go, well, gosh, maybe I should have made him try to m go down and score eight points because, look, they had a hard time scoring when they got down in there inside the 10-yard line. It was not easy. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure Mike Zimmer stayed up late last night either way, just pissed off they lost that game. 
Right, and I think at the end of the day, you double down on your offense and on your guys and you trust That's your guys right. and you say, I'll do it again if I have to in the future, although maybe you won't. In that moment, maybe you won't. But you get to that next moment with the attitude, I'm always going to have faith in my guys. Got to have faith in the Raiders. You know, when they were 2-0 and and they were demanding Ooh. respect, I said, beat the Patriots and I'll give you some respect. And then they lost two in a row. And now, man, going into Kansas City, and you think about it, we talk about teams that have had tough schedules. I mean, the Raiders after starting the season in Carolina, beating a Panthers team that has won three in a row. Right. They beat the Saints, which is impressive. Yep. And then they had the Patriots, the Bills, and the Chiefs for crying out loud. We have lamented all these other teams that have had these schedules from hell. The Raiders have had a tough run here the last four weeks. And they go into Kansas City, and they take down the defending champions, a team that looked like they weren't going to lose a game at home this year, maybe not a game at all. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, look, let's make this about the the Raiders for now. There's much that can be said about the Chiefs. But, you know, Derek Carr out-dueling Patrick Mahomes. Good for him. Best game of his career, arguably. And the defense doing just enough. Just, you don't have to shut down the Chiefs when you have an offense that can score points. You have to just break serve a few times, as they say in tennis. It doesn't take much if your offense can generally match what the Chiefs offense does, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they they, they played great there yesterday. They played great. And, uh, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's one of the only times ever I feel like we've, we've seen a game go into that 30s mode and the Chiefs don't come out on top. It's very rare. I guess Tennessee Titans regular season game last year, that might be one of them. But it's very rare where they lose these, you know, back and forth type football games. I mean, we saw a lot of things answered on the Raiders side yesterday. I mean, the Raiders secondary, we've talked about it a little. It's young. It's talented. They answered the bell yesterday. They were a pain in the butt, especially in the second half. Mahomes, I don't think, threw one football on rhythm the whole second half. And when I say on rhythm for all those people out there watching, I just mean, you know, your coach to, hey, take a five-step drop, hitch, and throw to the first guy. Or, and then, you know, a second hitch and throw to the second ring, right? None of that happened the whole, the whole second half. It was drop back whoa, nobody's open, let me fade over here, move over here, and you could tell in the third and the fourth quarter with the stats that you're seeing on the screen there, yeah, it wasn't good. They couldn't stay on the field. He couldn't find anybody open, so they got locked down from that standpoint. And then Derek Carr, he came out a guns a-blazing, bombs away. I mean, so they they really, it was a huge, like you said, like uh, monumental-type win for the Las Vegas franchise. But, you know, we do see this from the Chiefs from time to time. Yeah. They lost back-to-back -back games last year at home to the Colts and the Texans. And and we've seen them be streaky when it comes to when and where they find the gas pedal. Right? When they played the Raiders week two last year, they scored 28 points in the entire game, and they scored all 28 points in the second quarter. The other 45 minutes of the game, they scored zero. So, you know, like I've said in the past many times, I think it's now on the PFT bingo card, the Chiefs are that basketball team that's going to go on an 18-2 run. Are you able the rest of the time to deal with it? And the Raiders were. And Jeff Heath, who intercepted Patrick Mahomes yesterday, he, I, I asked him after the game what they did. And he didn't want to go into a lot of detail because they have to play them again. They'll do it on Sunday Night Football coming up later in the year. So he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to give me all the secrets, but – they knew that they were going to have to defend their guys for a while, that Patrick Mahomes is going to buy time. Yeah. So you have to be able to know where the fast guys are. You have to accept the fact that you're going to be covering them longer than usual, and that's what they did. And also they were able to get after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, They were able to hit Patrick Mahomes legally, but they were able to get him. How, how often do we see Patrick Mahomes – lose focus on who's around him and where he got hit by Max Crosby at one point he got hit hard and we don't see that once he starts slipping around with that hair on fire attitude behind the line of scrimmage yeah he typically weaves through everyone he doesn't have that that lapse where somebody that he didn't know was right there just plows him and that's what happened yeah it did it did well it, I think we saw and I'll be really this is where I'm interested to watch the film a little bit I feel like we saw a lot of Patriot-type things from Monday night's game against the Chiefs, 
And I thought we saw the Raiders do that. A lot of three-man rushes. A lot of, oh, it looks like we're going to rush four, but one came out, and he's looking for shallow crossers or the guy that's going to throw the short pass. So they had a good game plan regardless. And, yeah, Mahomes, I think, got stuck in a point where he had time, but there was eight people downfield. Trayvon Mullen and Abrams, they're good players. They're all over guys, everything like that. And he did. He lost sight of where he was at times in the pocket yesterday. There was a lot of things yesterday that you're just not used to seeing the Chiefs do. You know, you're not used to seeing them get out-bombed away by a team. And the Raiders did that. You know, and, and Mike, to your point with, like, the Chiefs being streaky, you know, we're through five games right now. I don't know. You tell me. I mean, they, they're they four and one, but how many good games have the Chiefs played, really? Like, they didn't play good last week in the Patriots game, right? Is it the, just the Ravens game? Or are you going to say the first, the Ravens and the Texans Maybe game? Maybe the Texans. Right. I don't know. Right. The Texans game was so weird because, like, for the Texans, it was preseason, and for the Chiefs, it was regular season. <laughs> right. So there's only one game that really stands out. It's the Ravens game from two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, they're, they have not, you know, they, it, you could take that any way you want. You could say, well, it's amazing. We're four and one and we really haven't played good football. You know, could have lost to the Chargers, certainly. You know, that, so they've had their moments of kind of being all over the place. Uh, but I think the cool thing and still the story is, okay, finally, do we have a team here that's got some of a formula in the AFC West to kind of mess and hang with the Chiefs? And I think we might. I think old Johnny Gruden's got enough plays in the playbook and some talent. I mean, they got some young freaking talent on that team right now that excites you. When you go, whoa, Henry, Ruggs, Jacobs, Waller. I mean, Ruggs is the difference maker. You could see they're a difference offense. He's their Tyree kill. And when he's out there, you better watch the hell out because he's got two rockets up his butt and he can change the game in, two, in, you know, in one play. And, and when you have a quarterback – who finally is listening to your guy, John Gruden, yeah. and firing the ball down the field and taking the chances. That's the key as well. The car cut it loose. After hearing Gruden for the last three seasons, when are you going to cut it loose? When are you going to cut it loose? He cuts it loose. He did. And they see what they can do. And that's the kind of thing that may cause Derek Carr to cut it loose more often. I mean, we've been wondering which of the three teams in that division would potentially challenge the Chiefs, and I would have put the Raiders at the bottom. After yesterday, and when you look at where the Chargers and Broncos currently are, Chris, the Raiders, the Raiders are three and two, yeah, and the Chiefs are four and one, and the Raiders get the Chiefs in Las Vegas. Not that it's the same significance of a home field advantage as it would be in any other year, especially since the Raiders will have no fans all season long in their new stadium. But still, the rematch in prime, and that—that's the thing, boy. The stakes will be significantly higher yeah. when they have that rematch later in the year. And, you know, that's that quality from the Chiefs that we've seen. When they're fully focused on an opponent, that's when it's lights out. When they're not fully focused, that's, that's when they end up giving us these games where we look at it and we say, what, what is this team really? Right. Where is that defending Super Bowl champion? And, and, uh, and, and you know what? If you're a Chiefs fan, the reality is – more of these games are going to start getting their attention, and that's where we're going to see the, the Chiefs uh, at their highest possible focus and level. But that's the one flaw, I'd say, right now with the Chiefs. We need to see the way they were two weeks ago more often. That Patrick Mahomes would count for, you know, you know that with yeah. the chip on his shoulder. Right. We need that more often, and maybe we'll get it more often. All right, let's take a break. Plenty more still to come on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Jimmy G gets benched. The Falcons clean house. Superlative coming up. We'll be back with more right after this. Dan Quinn out in Atlanta. We kind of felt it coming, although it wasn't quite clear because of the fact that last year they were 1-7 and seven at the bye. Arthur Blank didn't fire Dan Quinn. They finished 6-2, and two, and then he had to give him another chance. Well, the shelf life on the next chance, five total games. Quinn out after yesterday's loss to the Panthers. There was buzz yesterday that it was an important game for Quinn, and it was important not just for Quinn, Chris, but for general manager Thomas Dimitrov. That's the one that surprises me that Dimitrov has gone too. And I think the fact that the Texans got rid of coach slash GM Bill O'Brien last week and are now officially looking for both, I think that made Arthur Blank realize, why wait? We're going to be looking for both. Let's start the search now because there's another franchise already looking for a GM and then we'll be looking for a coach. We want to have the ability to pursue a GM, consider our GM options, 
while the Texans are, and we don't want to do it behind Thomas Dimitrov's back. Yeah, right. I mean, at this point, it seemed inevitable. So, like, just rip the Band-Aid and move on. I mean, I don't think any of us thought, like, uh, it was. it's not going to change anything drastic there with Atlanta. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right, Mike. You said it last week. You thought the Billy O'Brien firing – might embolden some other teams to make these type of moves. And you you were exactly right. And then again, the way the game looked yesterday, once again, where, yeah, Atlanta, all these high-priced talent, everything like that, losing to the rebuilding Carolina Panthers, that just couldn't have sat well with Arthur Blank. So I understand it. Dan Quinn, I, I would got to think he had lost the, the ear of the team a little bit. And Thomas Dimitrov, as we've talked about a lot, the team was just too top heavy. There's nothing more to it. You, there's only a few guys, a few guys getting a huge chunk of the salary cap. And we saw for like the third year in a row, when they get injured, they can't survive or win games uh, because of the thinness of their team. Too many big leads blown, which just will yeah. drive an owner even crazier. And now they have to go forward. And I haven't seen anything about the interim coach. They've got two former head coaches on staff, Dirk Cutter, formerly of the Bucks, Raheem Morris, formerly of the Bucks. I don't know who you give the whistle to. And I, somebody suggested to me last night, could they actually hire Bill O'Brien to come be the coach of the team? Well, you, you rarely, if ever, see someone from outside the building come in during the season. And what they'd have to do is the full search Rooney rule compliant just right. to hire the interim coach if they go outside the building and then do it all again after the season ends, including with the interim coach. It's not like you can make a permanent hire during the season. I think anyone outside of the Falcons organization is slim, but it is surprising to me that they've yet to tell us and maybe they've yet to decide who's going to take over, Chris. But yeah, I mean, it is a little weird. You usually hear those type of things like, that night or, you know, right after the firing, oh, this guy will take over as the interim head coach. I just wonder what this brings with Atlanta altogether. You know, Mike, I really do. You, you, you heard me say the other day, if I'm Atlanta with the way their team looks, I'm putting Julio Jones on the trade block. You know, I am. And now it's a lot of money and they might have to pay part of that salary, but they might have to start looking at doing like Miami Dolphin type things where we trade away. We might pay a little money. Sure. But we're going to get assets and rebuild this team and do it that way. And uh, I'd be interested to see if they take that route here. And uh, the, the other question becomes, and this is a topic for a different day. What does the new regime think of Matt Ryan, who is creeping uh, toward 40? Right. He's older than you think. And uh, who knows what the next coach and GM will want to do. Quick break. More PFT Live coming right after this. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget <laughs> well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food surface with the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash. 